Okay, Rick, you're on. Okay. <clears throat> My name is Rick Leaf. I'm chair of the Master Plan Implementation Committee. This uh, open joint meeting of the Northboro Select Board and the Master Plan Implementation Committee is being conducted remotely pursuant to Chapter 22, uh, excuse me, pursuant to Chapter 2 of the Acts of 2023, an act relative to extending certain COVID-19 measures adopted during the state of emergency, signed into law on March 29th, 2023. This meeting will be conducted via remote participation. All members of the Select Board and the Master Plan Implementation Committee are allowed and encouraged to participate remotely. The Act allows the Select Board and the Master Plan Implementation Committee to meet entirely remotely, so long as reasonable public access is afforded so that the public can follow along with the deliberations of the meeting. The public is encouraged to follow along using the posted agenda, unless the Chair notes otherwise. Members of the public who wish to review the live stream of this meeting may do so by going to Northboro Remote Meetings on YouTube by the link listed on the agenda. Ensuring public access did not ensure public participation unless participation is required by law. This meeting will feature public comment. And with that, I'll call attendance for the uh, Master Plan Implementation Committee, and then Mitch will do the same for the Select Board. Um, Okay, starting with our town planning director, uh, Lori Connors. Here. Uh, Julianne Hirsch. Here. Well, I guess we'll be called twice tonight. You're very lucky, Julianne. <laughs> Amy Paretsky. Here. Millie Milton. Here. Ashley Davies. I think Ashley said she would not be able to make it. Tracy Camerano. Here. Fran Baxter. Here. Jean Kennedy. Here. Jean Cahill said she would not be able to make it. Rick Leaf is here. John Campbell. Here. Jen Tolman. I haven't seen Jen yet. Okay, Mitch. Here. Thank you very much, Rick. Uh, my name is Mitch Cohen. I chair the Northboro Select Board, and I will call the Select Board half of this meeting to order and make sure that uh, members can hear and be heard in order. On my screen, I see Laura Zeiten. Here. Lisa Maselli. Here. Kristen Wickstead. Here. Julianne Hirsch. Here. Also with us tonight is our new town administrator, Tim McInerney. Say hi, everybody, Tim, who we haven't met yet. Hello. Here. Excellent. Um, and I think now I will turn it back to you, Rick, for starting things off. Okay. <clears throat> Thanks, Mitch. Uh, first of all, I just want to mention a few other people who are on the uh, meeting tonight. We have Jonathan Law who's uh, from Weston and Sampson, the company who conducted the uh, uh, study, produced the report. He's the project manager. And we have Russ Archambault, Russ's principal with uh, RKG Associates. They were brought on board by Weston Sampson to provide um, the market analysis portion of the report, as well as to provide expertise um, in downtown revitalization activities. So Jonathan will be, will be presenting um, the uh, the actual uh, report on the study and Russ will be assisting with that. Um, basically what's gonna happen tonight is I'm gonna give a brief overview and history of how we've got to be where we are tonight. Just take a few minutes to do that. Jonathan will come on next and he will do an overview of the uh, highlights of the report, mainly concentrating on the revitalization, revitalization strategies and scenarios and some implementation strategy. 
When that's complete, um, we'll have a session for questions and answers and comments, which uh, Mitch will coordinate. When that is complete, our town uh, planning director, Lori Connors, has a proposal for a, a go-in activity here, which is a streetscape improvement plan that she's going to present tonight uh, for consideration, something we feel we could do to get started in uh, 2024 as a first step towards revitalization. And when that's complete, there'll be another opportunity for questions and comments, and then we'll wrap up the presentation. So that's kind of how things are going to flow um, tonight. Um, the, the impetus to do all of this came from our most current uh, townwide master plan, which was completed in 2020. Um, when that plan was developed, there were many public information and input sessions. And what became apparent was far and away the topic that gained the most interest and the topic that town residents want to see something happen on was the improvement of our downtown so there's much that's included in our town master plan around ideas and suggestions for uh, the improvement and the revitalization of our downtown. When the master plan was completed, uh, the select board established the master plan implementation committee, which we refer to as the MPIC for the rest of the evening. And the purpose of the MCIT was to review the plan and to ensure that the town over time we take actions to implement, take the, implement, implement the recommendations in the plan. Once the MPIC reviewed the plan, it was obvious that the number one thing we had to get moving on was this desire of the residents of the town to uh, work on improving the downtown area. To that end, uh, working with the town staff, we engaged Weston and Sampson to come in and lead the effort to define uh, a plan for possible revitalization of the downtown. And over the past year, um, the committee, uh, working with the consultants and through a number of public meetings, uh, have developed the plan, which you're going to see tonight. And I want to thank uh, Jonathan and Russ for all the work they put into this. I also want to thank the MPIC um, for the time it's spent working with the consultants to pull this plan together. And I certainly want to thank all of the town residents who attended the, uh, the many open sessions that we held. All of the input was really valuable to, de to defining the plan um, that we're gonna discuss tonight. I think it's important to realize that there's a lot in this plan. It offers a lot of uh, significant recommendations for how to do redevelopment. It'll be a multi-year effort to do the things that are in the plan, but it's also important to realize that the plan is a guide, that it's not our expectation that everything in the plan is going to get done exactly as it's set in the plan. The timeframes in the plan probably aren't going to be followed exactly as in their plan. There could be opportunities that come up that we don't expect that'll cause us to change course of action, or there could be obstacles we don't expect that would come up. It's also important to realize that much of the property in downtown is privately owned. And where this is going to go in the future is going to have a lot to do with developing working relationships with property owners and business owners and sort of working together as to what we can do and how we can do it. So I think we have to understand that what's going to be presented tonight is not gospel. There are great ideas, um, and there's a lot to be considered here, but there's going to be a lot that we as a town are going to need to do to take this and move it forward. Having said that, there's a number of things that can happen in the short term. Certainly things around streetscape improvement and the look and feel of the kind of what the streets in the town looks like. There could be some things that could be done there. 
And as I said, Lori's going to presenting a, a first stab at that um, tonight. There's also a lot of planning we can do in the short term. We need to take a look at our zoning and see how that affects what can be done in the downtown. The plan recommends a certain amount of residential development in the downtown area. It's been shown that that other successful downtowns have residential typically on floors and buildings above the ground floor where you might find restaurants or shops. And we need to understand what type and density of housing in the downtown we might want to do. Both in the master plan development and in the development of this particular downtown revitalization plan, a lot of people talked about wanting a classic New England feel in the downtown. But what that means exactly from an implementation standpoint needs to be decided. Most likely our design standards are gonna to need to be modified so that we give a clear picture to the development community as to what it is we feel is acceptable and we're gonna see built. So some work needs to be done around that. There's gonna be a lot of staff time needed to do this. And the plan recommends uh, uh, adding an economic development position onto the town staff that in the short term would become the downtown revitalization manager in the longer term would look at economic development across the entire town. And that person would establish a downtown management organization to manage these activities. So thought is gonna to have to be put into exactly how and when that happens. And the plan also mentions that there are two town-owned properties that are critical to this. One is the old town hall on 4 West Main Street, and the other is the existing fire station uh, on Pierce Street. Both of those buildings the town owns, and so we have the ability to decide what's going to happen there and how it's going to happen. There's a committee right now looking at what makes sense for the uh, long-term placement of the town offices. And the work of that committee is going to be carefully coordinated with downtown revitalization. And the plan outlines some excellent opportunities for what could be done with the fire station, including opening up the back all the way down to Cold Harbor Brook as kind of a park area. There's a lot of interesting things in there about the fire station. Those are things under our control that we can make some decisions on in the short term. So there's a lot that can happen once we get done with this. I think the greatest benefit from doing this plan is it basically generates ideas that we can look at and it provides a starting point to begin the process of determining what we want the downtown to look like and how and when we wanna take the steps to make it happen. As I said before, the MPIC was formed to ensure that the desires of residents expressed in the master plan are addressed. The single most requested item in the master plan is improving the, down, the downtown and using this plan as a guide, I think we now need to start the process. So having said all of that, I'll get off my soapbox and I'll turn it over to Jonathan to start to do the presentation. Thanks, Rick. Can everybody see my screen? Mm -hmm. Yes, and I'll ask those who are not part of the presentation team to turn off their cameras so people can focus their eyes on and you in the presentation. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, yeah, thanks, Rick, for that introduction. Um, I think that was a great quick synopsis um, of how we got to this point. I just want to say that it's been um, a pleasure to work with the town and the MPIC and especially the residents of Northborough to help develop um, the master plan report and the, the design scenarios that you're going to see today and that you'll see in the report. Um, it's been a very collaborative effort and um, 
as I said, it's it's been a, a great uh, partnership to this point. So quick meeting agenda, you just heard from Rick. First of all, we're going to talk about the project meetings and the feedback that we received at those meetings, which ultimately led to how the, the three design scenarios were selected and how those three design scenarios ultimately looked. And, and as Rick mentioned, and I'll just you know touch on that as well, is what you see before you today is is a starting point. It's not anything set in stone. It it's uh, in some cases it could be conversation starters with developers, um, you know, people who want to bring new um, development into town. Um, so by no means is it you know what what you see here set in stone. And there's lots of room for improvements for um, revisions. So just bear that in mind. Um, we'll talk about the implement implementation strategies. And then as Rick also mentioned, um, Laurie will talk briefly about uh, a Blake Street design scenario, <clears throat> which is different to what you'll see today. So the public stakeholder engagement, um, it first started uh, with a booth at Applefest. Um, a couple of Western and Samson employees attended Applefest they gave out information on the, the survey questions and just took some general feedback about people's wants and needs for downtown. Um, it's almost a year since the first public meeting. I can't quite believe that. Um, and we were very surprised on that first day. It was a relatively cold day in the, in the midst of winter and I think nearly 80 people showed up. So that showed us as a design team the interest uh, straight off the bat for this project. You know, typically you can come to some meetings and there's five people show up. So the fact that almost 80 people showed up was was uh, a, a great uh, thing for us to see. And it was a very, it was a, a great meeting. We got lots of great feedback. We actually developed a, a pretty simple way of getting people to design, and I'll use that in quotation marks, without having to do a design. And, and I'll explain that later on. The second public meeting, um, we presented the design scenarios in a cartoonish type way. And, and that was, again, based on feedback that we received, not only at the public meeting, but also the MPIC meetings we'd attended between those two dates. And then the final public meeting in June, um, we developed the graphics to be more um, photorealistic um, and incorporate some of the final wants and needs that, again, we heard from the public meeting number two and then further meetings with the MPIC. In between all that, Russ also hosted a focus, business focus group meeting in February. Russ, you want to quickly touch on that? Yes, we invited um, business owners, property owners to attend that meeting to figure in that they had a certain perspective of owning businesses and operating businesses downtown. We really wanted to hear what that experience is like, what their needs were, and what they'd like to see. And not surprisingly, they echoed a lot of the same themes that uh, the general public um, mentioned to us. Thanks, Russ. Um, as I mentioned at Applefest, we we introduced the idea of a, a online survey for the downtown master plan ideas to be um, gathered. And that was open from September to December. There's a 12-question digital survey, and we got 636 responses. Again, great feedback and, and great participation by uh, town residents. 
As I mentioned, we as a design team attended nine MPIC meetings that were, uh, again, very collaborative. Um, we listened and we presented and, you know, ideas were bounced back and forth between the design team and the MPIC committee members. Um, and then finally, we had um, email blasts to raise project awareness and then project notifications uh, and articles published in the local newspaper. So it was a very um, collaborative effort, um, you know, re reached lots of people to be able to, you know, give ideas and thoughts on how downtown should look. I'll just go through a couple of sheets on the survey. So, you know, a big question on the survey was, if you don't like going downtown, please tell us why. And I think you'll notice the two major factors here is it's unattractive and there's little to do downtown that interests me. Um, I think those two responses alone um, really tell a, a significant story about how people feel downtown looks to them today. So a couple of questions that we'll focus on, you know, why do people feel as though revitalization is needed and what are the top priorities? You'll see I've um, highlighted in or underlined in red here the responses that got the most strongly agreed comments to. So eateries, more restaurants, cafes, bakeries, improvement of streetscapes downtown, storefront and building improvements, fill empty storefronts, facades, and then walkability. Again, that ties back into streetscape improvements. Then uh, we asked the question, what type of development services does downtown need more or less of? So again, when we look at what it needs more of, it's related to retail, restaurants, drinking, um, entertainment, and farmers markets. So again, you know, it's a similar message that we're hearing um, to what we heard in the public uh, meetings as well. So some of the stakeholder feedback um, that we received, this now, um, traffic volumes um, were disruptive in the morning and, and evening rush hours. There's heavy traffic, it makes it unsafe for pedestrian movements. There's a lack of parking or maybe not a lack of parking, but a lack of signage to know where people can park off Main Street. Um, the presence of gas stations on Main Street create potential redevelopment obstacles, vehicle congestion. Lots of people seem skeptical about making positive changes to Route 20 because of mass DOT's resistance. Um, and then the Asabet River is a natural resource that is hidden from view and, and not accessed as much as it can be. And then the town needs the ability to, to support and to assist, assist people in making investments downtown. So when we look at the stakeholder feedback, the market factors, um, do you want to talk about this for us? Sure, I'll mention a, a couple that stand out. Um, you know, I think when you look at the greater Boston area, um, every community is sort of faced with growing demand for new development and growth. And we see that Northborough, although it's probably long been seen as a, as a bedroom community, is uniquely positioned to capture its fair share of that. Uh, however, it determines it wants to sort of meet that need. Um, you have good uh, transportation access. You're not too far from Boston, so people can get in if that's where they work. Uh, so the, the market is surprisingly uh, strong in some areas, um, but you have a lot of regional competition, too. So you have to sort of um, choose wisely what those opportunities are for you. We think uh, we've identified some of those for you in the plan. 
and we'll share those with you shortly. But you also own some key properties that could be an enticement to others who want to revitalize downtown. Um, so you have the ability to sort of shape the direction and, um, you know, opportunities for people to help you uh, with revitalization. So I think that was a, the, the main takeaways there. So as I mentioned, um, at the first public meeting, as a design team, before we, you know, partake in the in the first meeting, we we thought about how can we best get people's feedback and input on design features that they would like to see downtown without scaring them into having to draw on a piece of paper or um, give ideas verbally. Um, so we came up with this solution of creating a stickers that had a breadth of many different elements, you know, ranging from car charging, complete streets, bike lanes, water features, and outdoor dining, housing. And we ran this by the Empire MPIC and got some uh, feedback about the, the criteria that we should show. So, you know, the approach was that when people arrived, we had the, the large maps of the, um, elements printed out and then we asked people to take a st the stickers and put them on the piece of paper that they felt that those scenario areas needed these elements the most so this is a, an image from the first um, public meeting so you can see people are looking at over the the scenario areas and putting in the stickers that they feel that these specific areas uh, would benefit from uh, in in terms of a, a design attribute and then you can see in the image on the left here, we also add some uh, precedent image boards of certain elements within downtown. And we asked people to place stickers on those uh, on those images that they felt resonated with them the most. So again, this was a great way to obtain feedback from, from a lot of people without putting pressure on them to have to write things down or draw things or even articulate things um, in, in a certain way. And, we felt that this was a really successful exercise. In fact, it was so successful, I've used it on a few other projects since this time. So we took all that information and uh, we, we took it back to the office and, and analyzed it along with the online survey. And from that came um, the four scenarios, um, which later turned into three, um, to develop what people mainly wanted to see in these four scenarios. So you can see we tied back in the um, stickers into what elements they wanted to see in these certain zones. From that, we took that information and then created um, a, a bubble master plan, a bubble diagram master plan. So this is um, our first attempt at trying to take the information we received and then develop it into some type of design in a simplistic form. So you can see we have um, the scenario area three over here, which is by South Street and West Main and Gale. Uh, scenario number one, which is the fire station here, the CVS, Town Hall and Blake Street, <coughs> excuse me. And then scenario uh, area two is the Harvey property. Um, one of the other scenario or design areas was Route 20. Um, after doing some um, transportation calculations and analysis of those transportation calculations and talking to MassDOT, 
it was discovered that any changes to the road diet on West Main Street would not be really possible. Otherwise, it would make the traffic uh, backups even worse. So MassDOT owned jurisdiction of that uh, roadway. So it was basically told to the design team that making any changes to line widths or adding bike lanes um, wasn't really possible. So when we look at the scenario number one, which we, we call the entertainment hub, which is so at the old town hall here, West Main Street, Church Street, Pierce Street, the fire station. Again, this design was developed in conjunction with what we heard at all three public meetings with our meetings with the MPIC. And of course, not everybody uh, agrees to this, this plan, um, it, but it, it did bring together the consensus of most people's ideas. So as Rick mentioned, we've got connections to Cold Harbor Brook, the old fire station um, in this design has turned into uh, cafes and coffee shops and restaurants in the rear with public open space and like I said, connections to Cold Harbor Brook. Um, you'll see that um, this scenario is uh, heavily, very heavily pedestrianized. And what people wanted to see here was bars and outdoor dining and restaurants, more EV parking, multi-family housing along Main Street and near the fire station, connections to Cold Harbor Brook, trail connections, burying utilities, um, improving the character and sidewalk aesthetics and improving the church Main Street connect, uh, intersection, pedestrian-only streets, areas for public gathering and places for public art. So we took this master plan and you're probably wondering, well, why are the buildings just just blocks um, and then there's no architecture. We felt as though um, the design team, this was already a lot of information for people to digest and by adding detail to buildings would have maybe uh, been a little bit too much. So we just showed these as boxes, simple boxes and wanted people to focus on the spaces between those boxes that are created. So if we look at some of the renderings that we produced, um, as I mentioned, public art was a big uh, component of this or a big request of this, that um, if you're looking at this image, the railway station is to the right. Um, this is Blake Street here, which would become a one-way uh, pedestrian vehicular bike uh, shared street with the option for food trucks and outside dining. This is, again, a space between the um, CVS and Blake Street is to the left. So again, creating these public open spaces. We heard a lot of comment about sustainability and addressing climate resiliency and, and climate change. So you can see these streets are heavily tree lined. So again, reducing the effects of urban heat island on pedestrians, because if we make spaces more comfortable for pedestrians to be in, they will use those spaces more. And then the top bottom two images show um, the back of the fire station. So as I mentioned, restaurant and in the back with uh, shaded patio spaces and connections down to um, the Cold Harbor Brook. And again, just another close-up image of that uh, outdoor dining terrace. And these open spaces are designed with flexibility in mind. So this space could be used for you know outdoor concert in the summer, se a summer series or something like that. So they're not just a one uh, one task fits all. You know, we've developed them with flexibility in mind. So then when we look at scenario two, which is slightly different 
from numbered from the um, the first bubble diagram we made, and again, this was based on feedback received from the MPIC. This is the Harvey site. So obviously, the Harvey site has probably has the most potential um, because it's one owner. Um, it's it's a couple of buildings there today, um, and and there's a lot of space. So. When we presented this, we called it the downtown extension because it's not that far in a walking distance from what's considered downtown today. Um, it has the Assabet River that runs adjacent to it. So again, this great amenity um, is underutilized in this current um, current usage for the Harvey site. So we've created a two-way roadway through this area um, with some generator buildings on Main Street and then one up on a couple on Hudson. These again would be mixed use um, with uh, retail or, or restaurants on the ground floor and then um, housing above. So what we heard from people that they wanted to see in this area were riverfront trails, mixed use housing, flexible gathering, pocket parks, make the Assabet River an amenity by adding a river walk and restaurants along the water. Seeing it again, tying back into scenic views of the Assabet and improved connection to the downtown core. So when we look at some of the renderings, um, the top two are of the, the riverfront walkway that would be created. And again, it's, it would be a wonderful amenity to get people outside. You know, studies again have shown that since the pandemic, people want to be outside more. And, you know, the town currently has this great um, asset in the asset that's currently underutilized. So providing this riverfront trail and public open space along that trail system would be, you know, a huge asset to not only keeping people in, in um, Northborough, but encouraging other people to come down here. So just an aerial view of this is uh, West Main, Main Street here, and then this, this uh, road connection coming through and the, the new trail systems, again, that connect to the existing sidewalk. And then just a, an image here of looking how we can get pedestrians from one side to the other through safe um, crossings, and um, the street is lined with parallel parking on both sides. So scenario three is what we, we termed Assabet Mill. <clears throat> and this is the space between Main Street, South Street, and, and Gale Street. And the town common you can see is to the top right here and Assabet, Assabet Park to the left. <laughs> and again, what we heard from the public input was that people wanted to see a, you know, another extension of downtown or just increasing downtown across West Main Street. So bars, again, the same message, outdoor dining, restaurants, municipal parking lots, which you can see have been incorporated here. Areas for food truck dining, which are on this internal loop road and, and flexible open spaces that are adjacent to that. New sidewalk connections with granite curbing. And we've incorporated uh, parallel parking along South Street and Main Street, which doesn't exist today. So you're making it feel more of a, a, a downtown um, urban environment. Um, also, we heard including more housing, repurposing some of the empty, empty buildings, public gathering spaces and public art. But again, you can see here, pedestrian connections throughout all these spaces are key to the success of these uh, areas. So uh, this top left image is looking as you would enter uh, if you crossed across Main Street into this section, Assabet Mill signage. Again, um, some public art to help draw you into the spaces and thinking about not only providing um, shade from trees, but also from uh, shade shelters and structures. Thinking about how 
people can gather in in communities and in in larger and smaller numbers so again sort of thinking about centrally located uh, spaces that are flexible for people to take lunch or to take a walk out at um, any time of the day and again thinking about shade and how people move through these spaces um, creating uh, pedestrian friendly streets so thinking about how people cross those spaces how cars navigate through bikes um, street line treats again thinking about um, sustainability introducing rain gardens and trees to help reduce the uh, effects of stormwater on the existing um, subsurface infrastructure and then as i mentioned um, you know places for food trucks and and uh, gathering in smaller and larger numbers russ do i pass this back over to you yes um one thing we wanted to do in concluding our presentation is give you a sense of of how we have approached the, the strategies um, for the plan. These are the actions that the town could take to improve and revitalize downtown. When you when you download your copy of the study, you'll if you go to the back, you'll see multiple pages of what's called the implementation matrix, which has short-term, medium-term, and long-term strategies. We're just going to share with you the these short-term strategies, things that could be started within the first three years. In many cases, you'll see, yes, you can start them, but some of them are more complex than others and you couldn't finish them in three years, but you don't wait three years out before you pick up a, a, you know, a pencil and a notepad and start thinking through what you need to do. So we included all those. So this allows you to sort of pick and choose the Master Plan Implementation Committee said, give us some low-hanging fruit that we can start this year, and we will start to tackle the more complex things as time goes by, but we need to be able to sort of bite this off uh, in discrete bites where we can sort of build some momentum. So the first uh, short-term objective was improve the aesthetics of downtown Northborough through public and private actions. I'm not going to read all the actions. I'll let you do that, but really the focus is is on aesthetics and improving the look and appeal. Uh, then it became apparent that if we're going to be successful with that, we need to be able to carve out some staff time to dedicate to downtown revitalization. So hire an experienced downtown manager. In this case, it may start and, and be a, a dual role as an economic development person for the town. But the purpose is that the existing staff does not have the time required to, to be successful at implementing this. So we need to bring in that expertise. Next. Uh, review the town zoning regulation. This is something that Rick mentioned earlier. There's a lot of things that as you go through and start to implement, you may find that they come in conflict with the existing zoning. Number one, the existing zoning is uh, for a small town, it's suburban in, in character. And you may be dealing with some more urban related issues when you talk about mixed uses with residential and commercial appearing on the same site. That's that's not typical in a suburban setting. So it's gonna cause you to have to look at those um, issues a little bit closer. Next. Uh, pursue adaptive reuse of former town hall building at 4 West Main Street, become a new anchor for downtown. We don't know right now what all the potential uses could be for that building, but the fact that the town owns it and controls its future outcome is particularly important. Uh, you, you could enter into a partnership with a real estate developer to do something unique there. It's also been discussed as the as a location of town hall if it were to move from the existing building. So lots of things to think through there. 
uh, develop and implement a multi-year, multi-phase effort to improve public infrastructure downtown. And when we talk about infrastructure, meaning streets, sidewalks, parking lots, um, people felt strongly about undergrounding utilities. That's something that needs to be looked at. It can be very expensive, but aesthetically, it would be very pleasing. But, you know, how do you incentivize people to make improvements to uh, the, the space in front of their businesses or uh, just make the, the buildings more appealing. Um, those are all part and parcel of, of this strategy. Next. Pursue adaptive reuse of the former North Pole Fire Station uh, into a restaurant, a craft brewery, or entertainment venue. All that's yet to be determined. All, what we do know is that the new fire station is under design, and uh, it'll take probably a couple years to make that transition occur. But in the meantime, we should be planning for that to occur. And um, sorting out what that becomes will be part of what happens in this first three years. Create downtown management organization plan, organize and coordinate downtown revitalization activities and create key partnerships. No one does this alone. No towns do it alone. They do it in partnership with businesses. They do it in partnership with developers who want to actually make the implementation occur. Um, that'll take time to build that up, but I think you need to sort of be able to represent the interests of downtown through this downtown management organization. So that's going to involve park property owners and business owners and people who are just advocates for downtown revitalization. So that is, in a nutshell, what we believe should be the initial thrust of the of this study and the implementation and it's going to be really up to the town to sort through what they think the best opportunities are and um that that will be what they're involved in 2024 rick so that concludes our presentation um well thank you everybody we'll open it to questions yeah thank you. Just, uh, thank you guys very much for the presentation and uh mitch i'll turn it over to you now to sort of coordinate uh, questions from the select board and others that want to uh, participate. Great. So um, given the number of people we have uh, within the meeting, as well as the public, I'll ask people to just, if you have questions, to raise your electronic hand. Um, I'm happy to take questions. I'm sure presenters would be happy to take questions, both from committee members as well as uh, members of the public. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go back and forth and uh, try to get everybody's questions in. I am hoping people have questions. <laughs> I, don't see any, I don't see any hands up just yet. I guess the people oh, uh, Laura, I see, I'm seeing your, your actual hand up. I was asking for electronic hands. <laughs> oh. um, and I just happened to glance over and saw your real one. So Laura, you're, break, you're our first customer. I'll, I'll break the ice here. Um, thank you so much for the presentation. I appreciate it. And I, I love the ideas that you've proposed. I was noticing that at one point you mentioned the parallel parking on South Street and Main Street in that, that area. Would that involve like changing the lanes? And I, if I missed that, I'm sorry. But I know parking is definitely a topic that comes up often. So if you can just clarify that, that would be helpful. For no, it, um, it, that wouldn't involve changing lanes. It would basically if that land became available, we could take the edge of the existing main street and just then offset that eight feet to create the parallel parking spaces. So the, the road itself would not change. You just 
basically go into um, into the site itself to create those parallel spaces. Same on South Street as well. Got it. Thank you for clarifying that. I will clarify that I'll ask people to raise their electronic hands for questions rather than their real ones so that I can see them. Ah, I see one from the audience, a couple from the audience, uh, just in order that they've been raised. Eric Martin. Uh, Eric, I'll bring you in. If you could unmute yourself, identify yourself, and let us know what's on your mind. Thank you, Mitch. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, Eric Martin, uh, 32 Western Terrace. I had a quick question just about traffic. Uh, I'm sorry about that. Um, I, I understand that it's Route 20, so those lights are under mass DOT control and my son often refers to that as an airlock right where those lights just kind of let you it's it just one after another you just hit those lights do we have and while i understand we can't do anything about it do we have open lines of communication and can you just go over what if any ways we have to talk to mass dot about um possibly you know helping that out you mean in terms of how the signals work Yes, yes. Specifically, the timing of the signals to make traffic flow a little more efficiently, as opposed to right three seconds red light, and I mean, you know, you just you just get a red light, and then a red light, and then a red light. Um, yeah, it, it, if if the the sequencing of the lights don't work um, for the town, the town can certainly open discussions with Mass DOT about changing how those. Uh, crossings are um, timed. I, that's a, a pretty easy fix as far as I'm, I'm not a transportation engineer um, and mm -hmm. our transportation is not on the call, but my understanding is that's a pretty easy change to to figure out how to um, time the, the crossings or how the lights change. Um, I, I think that's a fairly easy fix. So that is possible, yes. Okay. Um, the reason why I ask is because... Uh... Previously, when it's been asked, it's the answer is, well, that's mass DOT. And then it's just kind of left. It's just kind of left there. It's mass DOT and we can't do anything about it. But it, it sounds like there there is a process, though. There's a process well, that we can. Uh, yeah, I think that. So, as I said, we we did some traffic analysis and that include traffic counts. So the town has that information now. So that could be used to go to open discussions with mass DOT about how these um these lights are phased. So, you know, that you do have that information to be able to say, hey, we think that the backup times are, are you know, or the, the backup lengths are, you know, X number of feet. How can we yep. think about changing that? So you do have that information as part of this report. Oh, perfect. Thank you very much. Thanks, Eric. Uh, let's see. Uh, Lisa Masali. Thank you. Um, I would... And adding to Eric's questions, I would like to see us to try see if we, as a board, um, could try to get a relationship going with the DOT. Actually, have talks with the DOT, and maybe we can see what it is that is available, and um, uh, you know, answer some of those questions for both moving forward and even for now, because I think that's a huge complaint that we have is that we've never been able to get the um, the lighting done correctly so i might recommend we do that sure. thank you 
I know that um, our DPW director has a line of communication with the DOT, and there was a, a question that came up um, about a year ago on the select board. I don't remember exactly what it was, and he provided some information back that he he got from from there. But as um, Jonathan was saying, um, if we want them to make changes to the timing, they they thought the timing was pretty good at that point. But now that we have some data, we may be able to um, show it otherwise. Um, I'm going to jump back to uh, Lisa. You're all set. Thank you. Okay. Um, I'm jump back to an audience question. Uh, John Rappa. Uh, John, if you could uh, just unmute yourself, identify yourself, and ask John a question. Rappa, 105 Western Terrace. To uh, Laura Zeitman's uh, point about uh, South Street and Main Street and parallel parking, that would involve a taking, would it not? Sorry, can you? I did, you've kind of broken up. Can you repeat? That the would question? involve a taking. So if you want to expand that onto my property, you're going to have to take a piece of my land. Is that not correct? Uh, under this, yeah, again, under this current design, that would be need, required, yes. But again, th these are these are designs to open discussions like this. It's not, uh, as I said, anything set in stone. Yep, thanks. And, and I would <laughs> just, just as a, as a follow-on. Oh, okay. So go ahead, Russ. I was, was going to ask a question, but you go ahead. I think the way that the way the plan was sort of laid out is that we sort of set the, the vision for a given block. And at some point, people need to sit down and talk about the potential for that to happen. I don't think there was ever any discussion about taking people's property. So I would discourage that um, sort of idea. It's not how these things are done anymore. Um, but I think it sort of the ideas on the table to start the conversation. Yeah, if I could just follow up on that also, certainly during discussions between the committee and the consultants, um, the thrust was to develop working relationships with the property owners in the town to understand what their desires and goals were. And when opportunities presented themselves where someone might be interested in selling their property or redeveloping it, to work through the plan to see how some of these ideas could be implemented, but there was never discussion that the town would go in and start to take land. It was always going to be a collaborative effort uh, between the town and the owners. And one of the things that led us to the recommendation to develop, to bring in an economic development coordinator was to sort of get on top of that and start to manage those relationships on behalf of the town. So uh, it's, it's, I'll just confirm what Russ said. It's, it's not the intent of this plan to cause land takings to happen. Yeah, that was what I was going to add is we would need to clearly have control of the land to put a, um, to, to make it parking. But um, oftentimes I know with these projects, they're done collaboratively where you might trade a piece of property or get permission to place that on there, get an easement for parking in exchange for something else. Um, I hope we don't consider, you know, when I hear taking, I usually think about eminent domain takings, and I don't think there's much appetite for that. But it's a, it's a good question, John. Thank you. Uh, Kristen, I see your hand up. Uh, Fran, uh, I'm sorry, Fran, did you have your hand up before? You're, you're all set? I'm all set, thank you. Okay, sure. Kristen, Wickstead. Hi, thanks. Um, so I just wanted to add a, more of a comment. Um, I liked that 
there's the forethought to, or the foresight to have um, electric car charging opportunities in the downtown. I can tell you as a person who's had an electric car for several years now, and for a while I was like one of the seven people um, in the state, it felt like, and now there are more and more and more, which is great. But I have spent so much time in Foxborough because they have electric car charging right in the center of their town at their Bank of America. I have had spent time at various Denny's and um, Walmarts and places that were just a little bit um, off my path because uh, there just aren't enough charging stations. And um, it it's a draw, basically. It's a draw for people to spend time in the town at these little businesses. It's so nice to have, be able to get an errand done at CVS or also to um, have a cup of coffee at one of our really great little coffee shops in town. And also we have lots of good pizza. So, you know, it's just, it's an opportunity when you're driving to just stop and enjoy a place a little bit. And if it's already kind of a nice place, electric car charging is a genius idea. So I'm really glad you all um, incorporated it in, in the idea. Thank you. Thanks, Kristen. We have an audience question from John Bourgeois. I'm going to bring you in, John. You could unmute, identify yourself, and ask your question, please. Hi, my name is John Bourgeois, uh, 52 Washburn Street. And I guess the question I have is, early on in the presentation, I think Rick had noted that, unless I heard it wrong, that um, there are some beautification projects that we are going to uh, move on potentially next year in terms of it sounds as though, you know, sidewalk improvements, adding benches, trees, that type of thing. Is that, did I hear that correctly? I think what I said was that in the short term, we should be analyzing that. Lori's going okay. to present um, a plan, which is a little bit more elaborate than that, for a Blake Street that would start to implement those kinds of things, although there's going to need to be, uh, she'll indicate some engineering and design before that can happen. Lori has some planters here and there in town already. And there could be some other short-term opportunities um, to do that. So specifically, we don't have a, a specific uh, tree or box or something that we have in mind to put somewhere tomorrow, but that is all possible. And with some design and thought, there's some larger scale streetscape beautification we can do. And once again, I won't steal Lori's thunder, but she's gonna make a presentation about that next. And, and I guess before Lori jumps in, I guess the other question would be, uh, it was mentioned that the, uh, you know, obviously the fire station's going in the next year or two. And I've been sitting in all those meetings, sat on, sat in on that meeting last night. Um, great project, great results. Um, is there any thought in terms of enhancing that project as it relates to um, road beautification again? plantings, benches along the sidewalk, extending the sidewalk beyond just the fire station, maybe down towards, um, you know, the uh, condos there on the left, the townhouses, and, and just take, and, and taking advantage of that. Again, I'm thinking this is low-hanging fruit that we could possibly take advantage of and jumpstart what we're all 
hoping to accomplish here, short-term and long-term. Yeah, these are possibilities for that. As the permitting happens for that, I know that the planning board, you know, talks about sidewalks and developers' responsibility for sidewalks. And so considering, you know, extensions of the sidewalks and what that's going to look like, it you know, it's been pretty apparent at the fire station meetings that sight lines and visibility on Main Street out of the fire station are important. So there's probably not going to be a lot of landscaping um, on the streetscape around that driveway even out of the fire station. I did see that they had like a grassy strip sort of in the plan there and some landscaping sort of on the sides. But certainly, as that's permitted, what can happen with that sidewalk and how big of a sidewalk, how long of a sidewalk could be done, I think would be a valid question for the planning board to consider. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, John. I see another question from the audience, Peter CP. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Peter, if you could unmute and identify yourself and ask a question, please. Can you guys hear me? We do. Hi, uh, Pete Seppi. Uh, it's fine. A lot of people get the last name wrong. It's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, I live over at, at 190 Howard Street in town. And uh, my question for all of you is... Um, now, I understand that this is the very early stages of the master plan implementation. Um, however, is there any, in terms of rezoning the downtown core area, especially when in terms of the gas stations, that's my priority. What possibility is there of rezoning those sites and putting mixed-use buildings in there? Because we have four gas stations at two-block radius. It's just just seems silly to me. I don't know. Well, Lori, you want to take that one? Sure. Um, so there, there was a pretty significant zoning rewrite that was done uh, back in, I, I believe it was 2009. And uh, the rewrite uh, for the downtown business district uh, put a heavy emphasis on mixed use. Um, so Unfortunately, we haven't seen a ton of revitalization thus far. So a lot of the historic uses like the gas stations and the service stations are, are still present. They haven't been revitalized yet. Um, but the zoning uh, already is in a pretty good state to encourage the type of uh, mixed uses that you're talking about. And I believe that the uh, gas stations are actually uh, have been zoned out uh, as part of that zoning rewrite. So unfortunately, um, when you're talking about zoning and you're talking about land use, uh, you're, you're talking in decades instead of in years. So that's the timeline that I work in. Um, so I'm used to things turning over on a very slow clip. Um, but there are some other zoning changes uh, that would need to be done in order to realize the vision uh, that is uh, put forth in this document. Uh, so it doesn't currently allow the density um, that is envisioned in this document. So um, expect uh, some zoning changes to come forward in the near future. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks, 
Okay. Are there any other questions either from attendees or the committee members? If not, um, I will say that I don't remember if it was mentioned earlier that anyone who wants to see this full report um, can download it from the town website. You can go to the um, you go to the town website, go to boards and committees, and then master plan implementation committee. And then on the left, the, currently the second item down is downtown revitalization report 1824. And uh, that's the report that we've been referring to in here. And um, it's helpful to uh, for looking at the maps and some of the high density charts and plans uh, to, to get in the PDF on your computer, kind of zoom it in. Okay, I think the questions for now have died down. Um, I'm sure more people will have questions. Um, Rick, if people have follow-up questions, what is a good avenue to uh, to address those? I'm gonna say, putting Lori on the spot, the best place after the meeting would be to direct questions through Lori and she can direct them back to the consultants. Yes, I'd be happy to to be a conduit. If I can answer the question, I certainly will will try to do so. And if it's over my head, I will uh, happily forward your your question to the consultant team. Great. I guess also after Lori gets done with her presentation, we'll take some more questions and comments. And if someone forgot a question for uh, for John, Jonathan, and Russ, they're still here. We can take questions about the plan after Lori's presentation also. Great. And for those uh, at home who uh, need to reach Lori on that same master plan implementation committee page I was referring to, you'll see Lori Connor's name with a link down there as to a way to, uh, to get in touch with her. Um, so I think this phase of the meeting, oh, sorry, I see an electronic hand up, Lisa Maselli. Hi there. I just had a quick uh, follow-up question with Lori. It, what's the timeline that you have the consultants for? Is there an end date or is this something that is a year from the road? You know, I'm sure everybody would like to know. Well, they, they are wrapping up uh, this phase of the project. So uh, I anticipate um, that they will be done with this particular phase within the next couple of weeks. So they, um, the plan itself is complete. Uh, this presentation was uh, a requirement of um, this effort. And then, you know, their job will be done. I'm sure they'd be happy to answer some lingering last minute questions that may arise uh, as a result of this presentation. But um, if we were to engage them on future initiatives, that would be a separate contract. Okay, thank you. Yeah, Laurie, just to confirm, happy to answer any questions that may arise from this presentation this evening. Great, thank you very much. Um, Rick, are we ready to go into the second half of our evening? I think we are at this point. So Laurie, uh, let's hear about your plans for streetscape improvement. All righty. So I am going to share my screen. Okay. I'll ask folks to uh, turn off their cameras again. Okay, can everybody see that okay? Yes. All right, fabulous. Um, so once again, my name is Laurie Connors and I am the planning director for the town of Northrow. 
And uh, what I am interested in doing this evening is sharing with you my idea for an intermediate step um, on the way towards realization of uh, the vision that was put forth in the Weston and Sampson plan. Um, so I am going to present my ideas to you. I am looking for some feedback from you um, as to this project idea. And also I'm interested in gauging the selectmen's interest in proceeding with the project, which would involve hiring a engineering consultant to provide permitting and uh, design services. So I wanted to give you a little bit of an overview of uh, the phase one project scope. Um, so of course, the town of Northborough really only has control over lands that it owns. Um, so we cannot mandate that private properties, property owners do anything with their properties. So this project really is a streetscape project. Um, so it involves um, the Blake Street right of way. It involves the little pocket park um, that is at the intersection of Blake Street and Route 20. There is a municipal parking lot to the north of that, which would also be included. Um, there are two private parking lots. Uh, so this would be completely voluntary, uh, whether the uh, property owners wanted to participate in the project or not. Um, then there is a small portion of the Pierce Street right of way uh, where there exists a gap in the sidewalk network. Uh, that would be in, included within the phase one project. And there is uh, the municipal parking lot on Pierce Street, which is affiliated with the War Memorial Park um, at the Pierce Street intersection. So the next uh, few slides go into the existing conditions uh, within the project area. Um, so this, of course, is a view of Blake Street um, from the intersection with Route 20. So this uh, view is looking north. Um, and as you know, Blake Street is home to the municipally owned 4 West Main Street, uh, which the town just uh, reacquired uh, within the last uh, year. Uh, so that's located on the left. Um, and then there are a variety of commercial uses. There are apartments, uh, parking lots, and there is a little pocket park that you can see on the right. So one thing that I wanted to point out to you um, is uh, I, I think you can kind of see that in this picture. Uh, you can see that the paved width of the roadway really varies quite a bit. Um, so at its narrowest point, at the intersection, so uh, right where you see the, the sidewalk ending in this image. Uh, Blake Street, the paved width of Blake Street is only 22 feet wide. Um, however, at its widest point, it's as much as 50 feet wide. And this is where on-street parking is accommodated in a perpendicular way, as you can see in this photo. So the travel way itself um, also varies in width. Uh, so when you take the parking out of the equation, um, 22 feet wide at its narrowest point, 
Um, in this location, the roadway is one way, and then uh, it widens to 28 feet at um, an, uh, uh, further down the roadway. And in that location, the road is two-way. So here are some pictures of the pocket park. Um, so this, this park holds uh, the beloved Christmas tree. Um, this, of course, uh, many of you know, was planted in commemoration of a soldier who lost his life during the Vietnam War. It's also home to the Lions Club Electronic Message Center, which you can see here in the picture on the left. Um, there's a flagpole, there's a landscaped area, and there is a seating wall. So uh, no doubt in its heyday, uh, this pocket park was uh, quite beautiful, but it's looking a little tired these days. Uh, this seating wall is starting to fall apart. The ground is dirt in some locations. And I understand that the Christmas tree is in decline. Uh, the tree warden had provided me with that information. So I think the time is right for a makeover of this pocket park. Here are some images of the municipal parking lot next door. Uh, the pavement, as you can see, is cracking and heaved in a number of locations. Uh, the dumpster, um, which you see in the picture in the upper right, is unsightly. Uh, of course, our, our planning board regulations require dumpsters to be screened, but we're not a good uh, poster child for that because obviously there is no screening for this dumpster. Um, and then there are a number of uh, donation boxes in the parking lot, which are pretty unsightly. So here are some pictures of uh, two of the privately owned parking lots uh, that are on the east side of Lake Street. So these parking lots are affiliated with the Fatouche restaurant and um, the doggy daycare and grooming facility. Uh, so some of these issue, the issues with these parking lots are um, the, the driveway uh, that you can see in the image to the right. Uh, accessing the parking lots is ridiculously large. It is as wide as 150 feet. Uh, which doesn't make a, a lot of sense because uh, the Blake Street uh, access is only 24 feet um, at, at its intersection with uh, Route 20. So it doesn't make sense that you need to have a driveway opening that's 150 feet. Some other issues is, uh, of course, the sea of pavement. Um, and you will see that the parking areas are unlined. Uh, so that means that people park in a haphazard way. Some park parallel, some park um, perpendicular. And so it's not very efficient. There is also no drainage in this area. There's no drainage on Blake Street. There's no drainage in the municipal parking lot. And there's no drainage in these private parking lots either. Um, so that means that there is little means to uh, accommodate the melting of snow as well as, um, you know, puddles that result from uh, rainwater. 
So one thing that I also wanted to point out is the drive aisle. I did actually measure the distance um, between the parking lot and uh, the, there is a, a grass strip that separates this portion of the parking lot from Blake Street. And the drive aisle is 44 feet wide. So the drive aisle in the municipal parking lot is the standard 24 feet wide. So it really is unnecessary to have uh, such an excessive drive aisle width. Uh, so another issue I wanted to point out is along the, the very short extent of Blake Street, there are three different sidewalk and curbing uh, combinations. Uh, this certainly doesn't gel very well with uh, making an aesthetically pleasing streetscape. So alongside West Main Street, so this is uh, the photo in the left, you see a concrete uh, sidewalk. The, the sidewalk is six feet wide and uh, it has a six inch high vertical granite curb um, that separates the sidewalk from uh, the paved width of Blake Street. You move on a little bit from there and uh, next you move on to an asphalt sidewalk, which is five feet wide. It does meander a little bit at this point um, because it's uh, abutting the, the building. And this, uh, this sidewalk has either zero berm or a, um, a very slight berm. So the problem with this is that you don't have protection from for the pedestrians when they are walking along the sidewalk. Uh, so this makes people feel unsafe. And another problem is uh, cars can very easily park on the sidewalk itself, uh, which of course is an impediment to pedestrians. So then if you move on a little bit further from there, uh, this image on the right is the sidewalk in front of 31 Blake Street. Um, in this location, there is an asphalt sidewalk. It's also five feet wide and it is separated by a grass strip and a berm. So uh, this condition is not ideal. Consistency in the sidewalk types and physically separating the pedestrians from the traveled way is, uh, is really preferred. So uh, here are some images of uh, Pierce Street. So as you uh, get to the end of Blake Street and you look left, uh, you will find an asphalt sidewalk um, that is uh, providing the connection to the current fire station and the municipal parking lot associated with that. But if you look to the right, you will see absolutely no sidewalk whatsoever. Um, so there is no sidewalk on either side of the street. And this is unfortunate because within a, a short distance from there, um, you get to the War Memorial Park um, on Pierce Street. And there is a municipal parking lot that is associated with that, um, which uh, by my, uh, my rough measurement could accommodate approximately 16 cars. Uh, once again, this is an unlined parking lot, so people are not parking um, in, in a very efficient manner. So in summary, <clears throat> uh, these are the problem areas that I have identified. 
Uh, the pocket park, once again, is in need of an upgrade. Uh, there are inconsistent road widths and sidewalk types along uh, Blake Street. There's a lack of uh, curbing along Blake Street. Um, there's a lock, lack of sidewalk connection to the War Memorial Park and the municipal parking lot associated with that. Um, and that is a disincentive for people who live along Pierce Street and also Hudson Street um, to use uh, Blake Street to access Blake Street and walk into the downtown. There's a lack of crosswalks. Uh, of course, uh, where you don't have sidewalks, you are not obligated to provide crosswalks. Um, but if we're going to be adding uh, sidewalks, then it would be great to have more crosswalks. I mentioned uh, the lack of drainage throughout the site. Uh, there's broken pavement. There's too much pavement. Um, there's the inefficient parking lot layout, uh, which is largely owing to the sea of pavement as well as the lack of striping, unsightly dumpsters and used clothing boxes, um, inadequate lighting, and there's also a lack of wayfinding signage. Uh, even people who work for the town hall <laughs> are largely unaware of the, of the location of the municipal parking lots. So um, that's unfortunate. We, we need to do better at identifying where municipal parking lots are. So what's the concept? Uh, so once again, this is an intermediary step. Um, so this is making improvements to the public realm for the most part only. So one of the suggestions uh, that I would like to look at is uh, consider making Blake Street one way, the benefit along its entire length. <laughs> so the benefit of that is that you can narrow um, the roadway, and that will enable you to accommodate more on-street parking and also wider sidewalks. I'd be interested in reducing the private parking lot driveway width. Um, chances are that's within the, the right-of-way, so that is something that would be within the town's control. I'd like to use uh, granite curb and landscaping to do that. I'd like to add lot striping, parking lot striping um, to the current parking lots. I'd like to add uh, clear pedestrian connections um, between parking lots, the roadway, as well as the buildings um, that are ADA compliant, they're attractive, they're well lit, and they're safe. I'd like to extend the sidewalk to the War Memorial Park on Pierce Street. I'd like to upgrade the asphalt sidewalks with ADA compliant concrete sidewalks, granite curb, driveway aprons, crosswalks and ramps, upgrade the pocket, pocket park with attractive seating, a bike rack, decorative pavers, landscaping and art. I'd like to add street trees, pedestrian scale LED lighting and electric charging stations to the municipal parking lots. I'd like to install rain gardens, forest pavers, and bioretention bump outs, as well as uh, vegetated um, bump outs. And uh, the reason for that is, as I mentioned, currently there is no uh, stormwater mitigation. This would provide stormwater mitigation in an attractive way. And I'd like to install wayfinding signage. 
So here are some images of what this could look like. Uh, so these are some pictures of other downtowns that have these features. As you can see, there are decorative LED lighting uh, with the banner uh, hardware built into the lights themselves. Uh, there are trash barrels. There are wide <laughs> sidewalks, excuse me. There are vegetated bump outs that accommodate street trees. Um, and here's another image uh, where there are, um, you know, beautiful planters. Um, and the bump outs also provide opportunities for perennials and, and low, low maintenance shrubs. <clears throat> Here are some images of ways that the pocket park could be improved. <coughs> Excuse me. Right now there is a, a paver walkway. Um, but the some of the bricks are kind of disheveled. Uh, which means that they are not ADA compliant. There's also some grading issues in that park. So I would like to address that by creating ADA accessible walkways. Um, it is uh, a nice element to have some forest pavers um, to denote gathering spaces. So uh, in the image on the left, you have an example of a uh, another seating wall. It's probably a bit more comfortable to sit on than the one that currently exists in that pocket park. Um, more opportunities to add, add street trees, um, but have them be ornamental trees. Um, so, uh, you know, flowering trees. And in, in this image, we have Japanese maples. And then in the image in the right, uh, an alternative to doing the uh, seating wall is uh, to provide some attractive benches. Um, and in this pocket park, uh, certainly there's the opportunity to provide some picnic tables. Um, it's, a, it's a great location. And of course you have the Fatouche restaurants right on the other side of the municipal parking lot. So it would be nice to, to provide an opportunity for people to sit outside and eat during the warm weather months. So uh, this image here talks about uh, rain gardens. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, um, a, a rain garden is a slightly depressed landscape area that is designed to filter and infiltrate stormwater runoff. It includes low level, low maintenance plantings that won't impede site distance. Rain gardens and bioswales can be incorporated along roadways and in parking lots. Um, and here are two images. Um, you know, I'm going to uh, let you know that I did a downtown revitalization project in the town of Millbury. And uh, these uh, pictures are actually from that project. Um, so we had uh, a similar ideals of wanting to green our downtown. And uh, so we included low impact uh, stormwater measures as a means to do that. So on the left-hand side, uh, you see a curbside rain garden. This is actually a bioswale. Uh, so it's a slightly different configuration. <clears throat> and in the lower image, um, this is a rain garden 
that abuts a parallel parking lot. So it's uh, it's on-street parking that is um, angled uh, and across from the Calabria restaurant if anybody wants to go and see what that looks like in real life. So parking lots are a fantastic opportunity uh, to provide uh, the, this low impact uh, type of drainage. Um, they often also accommodate street trees, which provide welcome shade. They reduce the, the overall temperature of the parking lot and they soften the look of it. Uh, so here are a couple images. This is actually not a picture in Millbury, but there is a, uh, Green garden system located within the municipal parking lot um, that certainly uh, folks can view if they're interested. So this is kind of what the uh, bioswale looks like in Millbury. So what are the benefits of uh, doing a streetscape project of this scope? Uh, there, are, there are a number of benefits, economic development benefits, um, so by improving the parking and making our, our public spaces more attractive and welcoming, uh, we will hopefully attract private investment. So, uh, you know, a lot of the slides that um, Jonathan Law showed included uh, some major redevelopment to uh, privately owned properties. So that may follow if, um, if the development community sees that the town itself is willing to invest in the downtown. It might cause them to get excited and say, hey, you know, I want to be part of the action. So, uh, you know, here we go. I'm, uh, I'm willing to go forward and invest a lot of my own money in making things look better. Um, the other benefit is, of course, attracting businesses into some of our empty storefronts. There aren't so many in, on Blake Street, but there is four West Main Street, which is super underutilized at this point. And there are a number of vacancies on Route 20 and, and other locations downtown. Public safety benefits. By making uh, upgrades to the sidewalk, the lighting and parking lot, we will encourage, hopefully, people to park once and walk between businesses, civic uses, homes, and open spaces. So this is something that came up time and time again during the public outreach campaign, that people were kind of frustrated by the lack of municipal parking or the perceived lack. So people would uh, drive to CVS, they would park there, and then they'd be too afraid to leave their car there to visit other businesses in the area. So they would either get back in their car and drive their car to the other business that they would want to visit, or would they, they would just say, forget it, and they would drive home. So uh, it, it would be better for the health of the downtown if people uh, felt that they could leave their car somewhere and walk between businesses. Uh, the aesthetic benefits, I think, are obvious. Climate change benefits. Uh, we already talked about how trees will reduce the heat island impacts. Um, they will also absorb environmental pollutants. Um, and then we talked about the electronic charging stations that would be installed in the municipal parking lots. 
And then by encouraging walking and cycling, uh, so truly creating a complete street. Um, so you're shifting the emphasis from the automobile to uh, bicyclists and to pedestrians, um, we're going to reduce the greenhouse gases. And then of course, there are a number of stormwater management benefits. It'd be nice not to have big puddles in our municipal parking lots and, and elsewhere. So uh, th this isn't gonna be cheap. <laughs> um, so my experience uh, with my other downtown revitalization projects were that the design costs are gonna be in the neighborhood of 250,000. Of course, if uh, the private property owners um, agree to participate, it would be a more expensive project if they are not interested in participating, then the, the scope of the design will um, be less than this. I do anticipate that the construction costs will be in the neighborhood of 2.5 million. Uh, so it's a, it's a pretty pricey endeavor, but a worthwhile one in my opinion. So there are a variety of funding sources. Uh, that we could possibly tap into um, for both the design and the construction. Um, as far as design is concerned, uh, the fastest way of uh, going forward with the project is uh, either municipal approach appropriation at the April town meeting or using ARPA funds. Um, there is a limited ability to use Community Preservation Act funds uh, that pretty much could only be used for the Little Pocket Park. Um, but still, you know, it's worth mentioning. And then there's also uh, the ability to tap into Chapter 90 um, and for uh, the town to provide in-kind services uh, to reduce costs. And then there are also a number of uh, grants uh, for um, downtown revitalization activities. Uh, we are a complete streets community and this is a complete streets project. Uh, so I am interested in allocating the full $500,000 that would be available through the complete streets construction grant program to this project. Uh, there is also the possibility of applying for uh, grants through the municipal vulnerability preparedness program. Uh, particularly, as I mentioned, currently we have no drainage at all and a sea of asphalt. Um, by making that change, um, that could be a project that is appealing to that grant program. And then the Commonwealth Places Grant. Uh, so that is also an opportunity to fund um, the improvements to the pocket park. Uh, I would like to expand that pocket park slightly so that we can accommodate some of the activities that Jonathan had mentioned in his uh, presentation while still providing sufficient parking for, um, for West Main Street. So what are the next steps? Um, in a perfect world, the project schedule would look like this. In the winter or spring of 2024, we would secure municipal funding for the project design. So like I said, I expect that uh, price tag to be about 250,000. Um, once we have that uh, money secured, we will be able to go out to bid to locate an engineering consultant 
And then I would like to form a focus group that will oversee uh, the design team, the consultant that is hired to ensure that the work is in line with what uh, makes, makes sense for the town of Northborough and uh, the goals and objectives of the residents. So in summer 2024 to summer 2025, I expect a year long uh, design and permitting process. Um, as part of that process, there would be a public outreach campaign. So I anticipate a couple of different community workshops um, at various intervals in the design process, most likely at the 25% design phase and then at the 50% design phase, just to make sure that uh, we're on track with the design and doing what people want. Then during that period of time, we would also be preparing and submitting grant applications to pay for the construction of the project. Um, and there is an obligation for a municipal match. Um, so there's no way I'd be able to get uh, grant money to fund 100% of the construction costs. Um, it would be expected that this town would uh, pony up a significant share. So in the winter of 2025, 2026, that's when I expect um, that we would go out to bid to procure a construction contractor. Um, and of course that's based on funding. And then um, the construction time timeline would take approximately nine months. Uh, so ideally it would start in April of 2026, weather dependent, and it would wrap up at, in early December of 2026. So that's pretty much it. That's what I have at this point. Um, so thank you for listening. And I would be happy to answer any questions you might have at this point. Great, so we'll do the same format for, uh, for questions uh, of electronic hands. Um, before we begin, um, I want to make sure everybody knows that the select board is not considering any vote on funding uh, for this tonight. <clears throat> However, this item is on our agenda for this coming Monday night, where Lori has requested that the board consider ARPA funding for the design phase of $250,000. So she'll be attending that meeting, but I encourage select board members to ask uh, any questions they can think of now, and we'll just have another opportunity to do that again on Monday. Um, with that, I will open it up to uh, to anyone who would like to ask a question, either a member of these meetings or, or otherwise. And the first one I see is our town administrator, Tim. Hi, good evening. Thank you for having me on. You can hear me okay, Mitch? We do. So it's it's funny that this two two themes here, I, I sent out a short 30-day synopsis to the board and one of my recommendations was this economic development coordinator to help us retrain, retain and attract businesses throughout Northborough, but the downtown being the focus. Uh, so that's one thing. The other piece is, you know, I'm asking the finance team in-house and town hall to look at the value of the area of downtown and what improvements have been made based on permits and what public improvements have occurred in the past 10 years. I'm trying to build a model financially to to kind of prove to myself and prove to the community that investment by the community yields tax dollars. So the growth in retaining businesses from a real estate standpoint 
and property taxes and personal property. So I'm trying to model that. So we're working on that particular piece. And then one of the questions that the board asked me during the interview process was about economic development and how would we go about it? And I remember Julianne, I think, asked me, one of my written surveys was about creating a pilot where you would have a pilot program for a development area. And Laurie has done a great job explaining what I couldn't explain to the board of what my pilot might look like. So this is what that answer is from my interview three months ago. This is the model that you could take and then replicate. I'm sure people want to do more, but you simply just don't have funds to do everything you want. But this could be a model that we could use as a catalyst to move, you know, on an east and west, western front and replicate it throughout. If we like the design, we like the implementation, we like the cost, nothing is going to happen overnight. Nothing ever does, unfortunately, uh, in a municipal environment. And we have to design things that are ADA compliant. And all that stuff costs money and takes time. But I, I you know, Laurie, I think you did a, a great job presenting and telling us, you know, extracting one facet of this major plan that Weston Sampson did and, and taking it and showing us what we can do next as a as a pilot, as a plan for replicating what economic development could and should look like. And that area is a good target because there's a lot of people don't even know that there's municipal parking and or businesses throughout that whole plaza. If you're here and you work here and you live it every day, you might know it. But I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that the out of the fifteen thousand people that live here, it's not uh, not known. It's probably avoided because of the traffic. If we make it attractive, we can have uh, we can start to revitalize the downtown as a piece. The common on the other side. Uh, Diagonal across is an unbelievable testament to the, to the work you've already done. I think this is just another step along that road. So that's what I wanted to share with you tonight. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim. Um, Rick, I saw your electronic hand came up. You as co-chair of this can yell at any time. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess I just like to amplify a little bit what Lori said. In, in my view, especially because we're not going to have in the foreseeable future any way to really deal with the issue of Route 20. We have to look at areas abutting and adjacent to Route 20 that can sort of take us away from that. And Blake Street um, has the potential to be an area that could implement a lot of things people are looking for without having to worry about the actual Route 20 impact. Once you get on Blake Street, you could get into a little sort of carved out area um, that could provide the kinds of pedestrian access, businesses, beautification that I think people want to see. And with 4 West Main Street at one end and the fire station at the other end, both town-owned properties, we really have the ability to concentrate our efforts over the next few years and sort of turning that into the beginning of what um, a pedestrian friendly, a parking friendly, um, business friendly environment could be. And if we can start out by getting the planning done for the actual roadway itself, and then follow on with how to redo 4 West Main, and eventually how to redo the fire station, 
we would have the beginnings of a downtown environment that I think would like, I think people would like. And so I think what Lori's proposing starts to set the stage. And I agree with her, if people start to see the town is doing this, it's going to attract interest. And it's also going to show to our citizenry that we're serious, that we basically took a major concern that came up in our master plan and we're doing something about it. So this, this is beneficial from a whole lot of standpoints. But from my perspective, it starts to build a pathway between Four West Main and the fire station, which I think becomes an important uh, thing that we have control over and can develop over time. And then if we can get our economic development coordinator who can start to work with the business owners on Blake Street and start to see what other opportunities are there, we can roll out you know, even more revitalization. So I think it's a well-spent $250,000 to get the plan for this done. So that's my two cents. Thanks, Rick. Um, let's see, Julianne, I think you had your hand up first. Thank you. Um, thank you so much, Lori. This is really kind of exciting. Um, so I have four questions and they may be getting into the weeds too much. So just tell me if this is some, you know, some issues that we'll just have to tackle along the way. But the first is, and it was an observation brought up by Jean Cahill, is that um, as quickly as possible, we have to figure out what what for West Main Street is going to be used for. I know Town Hall Feasibility Committee is looking at at that as a possibility. So whatever whatever MPIC can do or Board of Selectmen can do to accelerate their decision, I think will be very important. The second question I have is, as long as we're tearing the street up, are did you did you mention or could we consider putting the utilities underground? Sure, I mean, we could, uh, if that's something that is a, a major priority, then the time to put the utilities underground is certainly part of this project. Um, I am gonna warn you that it is super, super pricey. So if that is the goal, then chances are 250,000 won't be sufficient uh, to do the design. Um, and it turns it unlikely that 2.5 million will be sufficient to do the construction. It may be about a million dollars more than that, uh, mm -hmm. just to do that small stretch of roadway. Um, so that, is not something that I included within the scope of work, but if that's something that people really want to go forward with and they're willing to, to bite the bullet and pay for it, there are no grants for varying utilities. So it would be 100% on the shoulders of the town to pay for that. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's worth a discussion and, and, seeing, you know, getting some definite numbers on extra cost. Uh, because, because as you all, as people always point out, that's the time to do it. And, you know, the the grand future plan is to put the downtown pole, um, utilities underground when and if we redo Route 20. So, um, okay, so my my third question is, will the engineer do a pretty comprehensive study on, you know, when we discussed this, you brought this up briefly at an MPIC meeting, um, the one-way versus two-way, 
there's a lot of concern and those of us who have been in town for a while <laughs> um, know how tricky that that road can be. So if we could we if we could get information on you know the 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 benefits and how that would all work easily um i think that'd be a great part of the plan and my last question is um if over the parking can we put those solar arrays you know how they do the covered a solar carport yeah and that would add another million probably <laughs> um actually there are grants available for solar carports um, one of the negatives of doing a solar carport is you can't do trees. So obviously oh. those um, those interfere. Uh, so a decision will have to be made as to whether you want an aesthetically pleasing parking lot or whether you want, um, you know, a, a real uh, eco-friendly eco parking lot by doing the climate change mitigation. So I'm fine with both. I have been involved with the solar carport project. Uh -huh. It was a great project. I know that there are a number of um, <clears throat> municipal buildings that include solar carports. Uh, there's there's a project, uh, the police station in Sutton is a good example of one. And of course the employees love it because they get a garage pretty much. So the, the carport keeps the snow and the rain off of their vehicles uh, while they're parking there. So it, it has benefits to the drivers as well. So if that's something that you folks want, then uh, certainly we can incorporate that. Um, but keep in mind that means uh, no greening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know about that then. <laughs> Okay. Um, anyway, thank you again. It was really terrific. Thank you, Julianne. Uh, thanks, Julianne. Uh, Tim, I see your hand up. Did you have something as follow-up to um, to that topic? Yeah, it's just two things. The, the connection, uh, we, don't, we don't want to get into the weeds, I guess, but I'll just, we can, we can prepare the groundwork for underground utilities, put the, the conduit on the ground at a lower co cost for a future connection. If you look at those buildings now, the wires come in from the top of the pole to the top of the building and run down the side to a meter. If the private, you know, the, the municipal buildings there, then the private buildings that are behind it, those are all the same way. They're all fed from the top. That private cost to reconnect those meters from the ground up, that's that's where it gets really expensive. So I just caution us relative to private property and reconnecting those folks to utilities, that's that's where the cost is gonna be really, really high. And to coordinate that effort is a difficult thing to do. So I just wanted to just... Great, thanks, Tim. Um, I see a message, uh, was that, you're, you're done, Tim? <laughs> All set, okay, thanks. Um, I'll go to one question from the audience and we'll come back to committee member questions. I see Mike Tijan uh, with a question. Mike, if you could identify yourself and ask a question. Unmute yourself, please. Thanks. Yeah, can everybody hear me? We hear you fine, Mike. Great, yeah, hi, this is Mike Tijan, uh, 30 Augur Avenue. Um, 
Yeah, again, thank you, Lori, um, for putting this together and and uh, and for a great presentation. I think a lot of what you um, laid out just for that Blake Street area um, would be uh, certainly an improvement. Um, but one question I have is is regarding to the parking. So even with improvements to downtown um, and a lot of parts of Northboro, in order to enjoy them, you're going to have to drive downtown. Um, so for the amount of parking, um, do you know approximately how many spots there are now? And then with all the implemented changes, are you uh, net or, or negative parking spots? I know exactly the number of parking spaces. Uh, so there are, um, let's see, there's uh, 44 parking spaces between the municipal parking lot and the on-street parking that's across from 4 West Main Street. Um, if you go on the other end of, uh, of Blake Street, there is another 11 parking spaces. Um, I question whether those spaces are on private property or on public property. Uh, that's when a survey of Blake Street is really essential to be able to identify the ownership of those parking spaces. Um, but just between those two parking lots, uh, you end up with uh, 55 parking spaces. Then there's the 16 parking spaces approximately, like I said, un unlined <laughs> parking lot, um, the municipal parking lot on Pierce Street. And then the parking spaces that are associated with the private lots, um, those are unlined and difficult to quantify. So I can't really tell you because the there like I said there's like a mass of pavement all around those buildings uh, so those are diff more difficult to quantify and there are also six parking spaces behind for West Main Street um, so you can add that to the to the number as well so right over by four West Main Street you're talking about uh, 50 parking spaces. Okay. Okay. And any um, idea then with the changes that you, because right, you'd be adding more sidewalk space and more walkable space. Any idea roughly maybe how many that would be reduced by or how many? <laughs> so by closing in that absolutely gigantic opening uh, for the parking lot um, to the Fatouche restaurant, uh, you could do an additional six um, parallel parking spaces. If the town agreed to go to a one-way road configuration instead of the two-way, um, then there would be the potential to do even more parking spaces, maybe in a diagonal configuration. Um, but uh, I would guess that you would at least get those five, at, at a minimum, the five parking spaces in a parallel configuration. Okay, and then just one other short follow-up or uh, additional question. Um, you know, all this, um, you know, uh, changes in, in beautification that would go on, we still have those train tracks right there. Um, is there anything we're able to do or any consideration, and you probably already thought of this, but what could be done with either like shrubbery or trees or nice fencing or something to kind of block that off or, or try and break up the, the sight line to the, to the train when it rolls through? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely things that can be done uh, with the the pocket park and then the municipal parking lot, um, which is a large extent along the railroad track. So 
Um, you know, there could be fencing, there could be landscaping. Uh, it would be rather pricey to, to fence and landscape the entire extent. But as you mentioned, there may be opportunities to kind of break it up a little bit here and there and, um, you know, soften soften the noise when it it goes through the trains go through that area um with shrubbery great thank you Lori. thank, thank you. you mike uh let's see kristen wickstead hi um thanks um great presentation Lori. i appreciate that um you mentioned you checked with the tree warden about the christmas tree and I realize I don't know who the tree warden is, so this isn't a super um, urgent question, but who is the tree warden? Scott Charpentier. Oh, okay, okay. And he actually volunteered the information. I had sent yeah. him my presentation and he said, uh, just so you know, um, that that tree is in decline. So um, I had originally spoken uh, when I kind of uh, launched this idea between the M uh, before the MPIC at the last meeting. I had mentioned my desire to retain the existing trees and kind of build the park improvements around the existing trees. Mm -hmm. And he wanted me to be aware that uh, maybe we shouldn't be planning around that particular tree. Yeah, but there's true. certainly an opportunity to to you know if that one has. Um, is beyond beyond recovery, then there's an opportunity to plant a new one or maybe move the Christmas tree to the town common. Yeah. If that's a desire. Right. Okay. And then um I loved how Tim said um investment in the community is a uh, is going to increase economic development. That's really the spirit of um one of the things that I feel like we talked about on various occasions in the last few years. Um, so I, I love how everybody is kind of coming to that same conclusion all at the same time. Um, and I would be more in the um, neighborhood of um, trees than solar panels if you, obviously shouldn't have both um, because I think it's as far as like, well, trees are also obviously very environmentally friendly. So that seems to make sense to me. And also they're just more beautiful. Maybe we could do one of those cool parking lots Julian was talking about in another spot where not as many people are hanging out and eating pizza. Okay. Thanks. Great. Thanks, Kristen. Just as a, a minor follow-up, to the tree question, I, I read some history of the uh, the Neil Ellsworth Memorial Christmas tree not too long ago, and I believe that's actually the third tree at that location for that purpose. Um, the original was planted, you know, in the early seventies, and uh, as trees go, it's had to be replaced once or twice. So this wouldn't be the first time. Uh, Lisa, Miss Ellie, thank you. Um, and again, I that um, I think that. This Laurie's presentation is wonderful, and I like the fact that we're starting with Blake. I think Blake is um, it's a quiet street actually for for being downtown. You go down there to get a few things, and it's very quiet. Um, and I think that with a little bit of uh, working together, that it can certainly be enhanced and make it uh, the beginning. But it's just like when they started with the town common, 
start start small and and grow it and i think that'll be lovely um i do think you know the railroad tracks do play an important role um we could we could probably do some sort of vegetation or whatever a little bit higher up perhaps you know with a granite curb there and uh and maybe on that side you could put some of those um solar um coverings because it would not be trees on that side uh trees are probably on the other side in between blake and um the um the people that are parking there now because you get some islands there already and you'd be adding some islands so you might be able to do both um maybe put your um your electric um tank under one of those so not only do they get to pump their electricity into their car they would have a little less bird poop on their car um it's a it's interesting when you look at what you can do down there a couple of questions i have uh, only in the sidewalk areas when you're going to the pierce street uh annex parking that's at the war memorial what do you do with the sidewalk when it goes over the railroad tracks i mean you have to obviously the tracks can't be covered is it just like you just take your chances and walk over them to go over to the to the other side what do they do do you know well i've seen uh, several instances where they do have uh you know sidewalks that go over the the railroad tracks um but i i would certainly open up the conversation with the railroad uh to see what the limitations are what they would allow uh, but even if they don't allow a sidewalk over the tracks themselves, we can certainly do a sidewalk abutting <laughs> the railroad tracks, you know, on both ends. Uh, right now, there's just this huge gap where there's there's no sidewalk at all, uh, which is unfortunate because it's not easy walking either. Kind of, kind of, the surfacing is kind of a mess in between there. Yeah, it is dangerous. But um, again, I, I like the idea. Um, I think that we could, you know, reach out to the people who do have the businesses there and maybe see if they're going to be interested in helping to enhance their properties because um, the two end corners of um, the doggy den and Patusha's. And it'd be beautiful if Patusha could create uh, an outside eating space like they did at uh, the cellar. That is a beautiful place to go to, to sit outside and eat and uh Maybe they could take that model and create that on that little bit of uh, pavement that uh, is right next to the building. But um, I think we we have to look at all all the options that we can do down there and get people involved and started to uh, to care about you know kind of dressing up the place and um, you know to the parking area and questions. I think I think even if we um, while we're waiting to do some of this, I think a couple of signs put up would be helpful, saying public parking this way with an arrow. Uh, I think that we could probably paint. You know, Tim, you might be able to answer that. Can we paint some lines up now that are missing to go into areas that would help people to realize that it is a public parking place and these are the spots? Um, and taking away the... the um, the boxes that you talked about, I think that could be done with no no thoughts. You just call the companies that own them and they could take that away. Um, and certainly even plantings could be put in in front of the, uh, the town hall. 
what the new town hall I hope we move into. Um, so there's an awful lot that can be done down there. And, and I really appreciate the, the time and energy that you've put into it. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Lisa. Um, I don't see any other hands up right now. I've got a couple of questions myself. Um, it, the one-way aspect of Blake Street, um, do I, I understand right? That's go, That would be going from uh, West Main to Pierce, correct? That is correct. Okay. So that poses a couple of challenges. Right now, you can only um, get onto that aspect if you are going towards Shrewsbury from Marlborough. That that's set up that you can you can't cross. Sometimes I've seen people do it, but you're not supposed to. Um, so I don't know if we'd have some safe way of opening that up. That's a that's a challenge, of course, going off going across both lanes of traffic on Route 20. Um, for people who live in town that need to come downtown from Church Street, um, that poses a question is how do they get into that area right now? Um, and I'm one of those people. Um, mm -hmm. I come in from Church Street to Pierce Street and then take a right on Blake and then I can go and visit those businesses. Um, I think generally making it one way makes a lot of sense, but we'd have to think about how to address those flow challenges to make sure that we're not then making it really hard for people to to get into that area. And just think about how to do that. My expectation is that would that would come up during the design process. Yeah. So what I'm interested in doing is is hiring a um, multidiscipline engineering firm. Um, so some of the uh, professional expertise that we're going to need as part of this uh, effort is a surveyor. We're going to need a civil engineer, a traffic engineer to study that one-way configuration, a landscape architect. We may need a soil specialist. Um, so, you know, chances are we'll go with a larger firm uh, that has all of these various disciplines in-house. Great. Thanks, Laurie. Um, another question. One of the uh, the big downtown events every year on Blake Street is the Applefest uh, Rotary Street Fair. And um, it looking at this plan, it looks like you know, you'd be able to continue to do, it, do that. It might even be a little bit nicer. But again, I want to make sure that that's thought about in that process. Um, yeah, so during the, during the time of construction, um, you know, obviously things are disrupted and it's not, it may be, uh, may be necessary during the construction timeframe to move that event elsewhere. Um, however, the, the Weston and Samson plan called for a much larger open space uh, on the municipal parking lot. Um, I'm not envisioning that we do that at this point because we haven't found a solution to our parking problem. Uh, so that's why I'm saying that this is an intermediary step. Um, so we would preserve uh, the at, at least the current parking spaces that we have. Um, hopefully we can expand that open space area a little bit. Um, so we can offset the parking spaces we'll lose to the municipal parking lot in uh, the parallel parking that we will add by closing up that um, that driveway entrance. Um, so I, I think that there are things that we could do, but absolutely, 
Uh, the goal is uh, to have more people coming to downtown. So we don't want to stop people from gathering where they are currently gathering. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Lori. I see Fran, you've put your hand up. I did, um, only because I just want to be sure, and uh, Lori, after watching this presentation for the second time, I think it, I feel more excited about the opportunity because it's just going to look nicer and be more um, user-friendly, which will encourage people into the area. Um, but my, my concern is it's a $2.5 million estimate on the project, and we keep saying intermediary. We're not talking about like undoing it in five years because there was something bigger that we wanted, right? No, I mean, uh, one of the recommendations in the report is to do a structured parking garage, but that's a huge dollar figure. And I'm not clear whether the town has the appetite to absorb that dollar figure. Um, so unless the parking garage is built, there will always need a, a, a be a need for parking in this location. So I um, I am thinking that uh, it will absolutely be in place until it's time it's degraded to such a point where you have to do something different. Thank you. And uh, I guess just the follow-up while um, a select member, uh, Ms. Eldie, would be thrilled to be at 4 West Main Street. There goes all of our um, community parking if the staff is going to be over there, right? Mm. No. I assume that the uh, town office's feasibility study committee is taking various options into consideration for uh, for town offices and thinking about Fort West Main and everything else. We, not we haven't we haven't got that detailed yet talking about parking, but um, we will. Yeah. I think if I remember right, the um, the potential future parking garage uh, for that area, that would obviously have to replace some existing buildings. I think the, the Sawyer's bowling alley and the consignment shop building, which is at least they're both mixed use buildings. I think that, that I think that was the location, if not one further back in another uh, multifamily area. So if I remember correctly, and Jonathan, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe that the parking garage was supposed to be on Pierce Street on the municipal parking lot that is uh, across the street from the current fire station. Oh, okay. So that's correct. Back. That's okay. correct. Yes. Okay, great. Yeah, that, that certainly would have been another impediment to that garage if if it was half having to replace existing privately owned buildings. Um, while I appreciate you know, some of those owners may want to do some upgrades as part of this also. But I don't want to, I don't want to drive them out. Are there any other questions from either committee members or staff present or uh, attendees in the virtual audience? Okay, I don't see anything else. Again, this item will be continued again uh, at the select board meeting this coming Monday night. So um, we'll have the opportunity to dig into this a little bit more before the board makes any decisions about design funding. Um, so I'd encourage certainly select board members to think about this a little bit more over the weekend while we prepare for that meeting. 
there being nothing else. Um, I know, Rick, you have to, I don't know if you have uh, any other business tonight um, other than talking about your next meeting. Uh, no, um, I'd just like to make a couple of sort of concluding comments about this. Um, I'm very pleased by the way this evening went. I think John and Russ, you did a nice job presenting the plan. I sense a lot of positive energy of all of us involved about wanting to go forward and start to make things happen, which I think is is a very positive outcome. Um, once again, I want to thank everybody on the Master Plan Implementation Committee for bringing this uh, forward as far as it's gone to this point, and Laurie, to you particularly, for all the work you've done and staff support, being the go-between between the committee, uh, uh, the town, and the consultants kind of thing. Um, I think, Mitch, you and I need to talk a little bit down the road here about the ongoing role of the MPIC in downtown revitalization. I think our main goal was to take this aspect out of the plan, flesh it out, and give the town something to work with. And we've done that. I know the committee still has a desire to stay involved, but I don't see the MPIC becoming managing downtown revitalization. I mean, there are other things in the plan that we ought to look at and bring forward also. By the same token, we've been so involved. I'm sure there's a role we can play going forward between our committee, Lori and you, and hopefully an economic development person will be brought on board at some point. From a timing standpoint, my view of the world is calendar year 24 would be a good year to get started on the Blake Street proposal that Lori proposed. It would also be a good year to do the planning that needs to be done to decide how 4 West Main Street and the fire station could be used someday to take a look at the zoning and understand uh, what needs to happen there in our design guidelines and what we need to do to define what classic New England actually means and get that in a way that we can express it to people that are interested in developing in town. So I see all of those things as calendar year 24 items and obviously trying to figure out how to fund um, the plan for Blake Street in calendar year 24 to get that going. And then to bring the town meeting in 25, any zoning changes, design review changes, additional funding that's needed to move this thing forward longer term going down the road. So I see the short term thing we want to spend on in 24 is getting Blake Street improvement going and using the rest of 24 to plan out our strategy for where we go next and be prepared if there are articles that have to go before the town to keep this thing going, to be prepared to present those, you know, a town meeting next year. So that's kind of my view of how I see this thing playing out. Obviously, as the select board meets, you guys can work your way through that, you know, also. But I think the only short-term expense that needs to be considered is funding the design for uh, the Blake Street Improvement Project. Um, I guess that kind of, from my aspect, wraps it up. Um, Lori, I think our next meeting will be held uh, third Thursday in February, if I'm correct, right? That's correct. Right, so we can put an agenda together for that. I'm not sure if there's anything administratively else we need to do to officially end the meeting, Mitch. Other than um, a motion to adjourn and a vote from each of our two committees. All right, I guess I'll start with the MPIC. 
Can I hear a motion to adjourn the MPIC meeting tonight? So moved. Mr. Chair. Okay, I move that we for that? adjourn. Okay. Second. Second. I don't know. I guess to be actually official here, suppose I should. We've done this at the other meetings here. If I can find my cheat sheet here. Okay, so it's been moved and seconded that we adjourn the uh, January 18th MPIC meeting. Need to take a vote on that. Julianne? Aye. Amy? Aye. Millie? Aye. Tracy? Aye. Um, Fran? Aye. Jean? Aye. Rick Leaf votes aye. John Campbell? Aye. I'm not sure if Janet eventually joined the meeting or not. I don't see her up there. So I guess it has been unanimously approved to adjourn the meeting. Thank you very much. Okay, I'll entertain a motion to adjourn from the select board. So moved. <laughs> Second. Okay, motion made by Julianne, seconded by Kristen to adjourn. Um, all those in favor, Julianne? Aye. Kristen? Aye. Lisa? Aye. Laura? Aye. I also vote aye. Vote is unanimous in favor. The select board is adjourned 9.13 p.m. And that concludes this evening's discussion. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you all. It was wonderful. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay.